Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and every week I invite a creative over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. I've known about the importance of culture and its influence on my life for many years. My whole adult life in terms of a career has been pretty straightforward because I chose culture in my teenage years. And becoming a dad at 20, I'm sure it was graffiti that gave me the strength and confidence to be as good a dad as I could be. Culture also gave me my business, which I started at 22 in my flat. And for a guy from a single parent family, inner city estate, no GCSEs or further education? Well, as Black Twang said, and as I painted on Finchley Road platform in the early 2000s, ain't done too bad for a local lad. And I know I'm not the only one. That's another thing that's great about these conversations. Chatting to people who chose culture have had a life that intrigues me and gives me more reason and direction to keep my creative life moving forward. The stories we're hearing really reaffirms my thoughts on everything I've done and what I want to do, and it gives me more tools and knowledge for me to continue. And I'm sure it's resonating with you a lot too. We learn a lot in our younger years. Let's utilise it. So keeping up with the hunting of stories, the feeding of minds, the words from the wise, this week I have one of UK's first graffiti writers, Richard Sen, aka Coma. He came over and dropped a massive load of history and knowledge on the graffiti culture right from the start of our scene and his interactions and experiences within the culture and also what led him on to becoming a DJ and a music producer and his interest in criminology and what happens when culture and crime mix. Rich has done loads and it was an absolute pleasure to sit with him and get this story. An amazing conversation. So enjoy. This is F24. We knew we could spend the whole Sunday there. Mate, We'd call them Sunday all dayers. So there, I've got photos of what... We, uh, there were again, there were about 10 of us, and we did five or six cars. Fuck. Uh, maybe it was a whole train, I can't remember. There was Rio, there was Nice One, there was Cast, there was Tilt, me. I did a whole car window down, but I think, I think we even might have done the whole train. Chapter One London. Richard's from Wembley, North London, and we get right into what life was like in school, the type of kid he was, and how home life was, and what London was like then. He tells us about getting into music in his early years and we chat about a wave of hip-hop hit in the UK and what electro breaking and graffiti was like in those early years. And then he tells us about his mind-blowing trip to New York in 1985 with his brother and how that helped him form the following years. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming around, Richard. No, bro. thanks for inviting me yeah, on the podcast. I've been listening to them. Wicked. And uh, wicked, re- rediscovering all these like names that I didn't even yeah. know about. And how did you come across it? Uh, my mate Butch okay, told yeah. me, but I can't remember what he writes. He said, oh, have, you, have you seen these F, heard these F24 podcasts? I didn't know anything about it. And I think I listened to Mr. Met. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it was really interesting. His, what a his life. Yeah, his life is yeah. nuts. Man. And I, you know, his, the way he is now as well throughout all of that is just amazing. To go through that as a, you know, in life and then just to become this man and this great dad and this, you know, you've got... You know, yeah massive community heart and spirit and and he was a right he's a writer he's still a writer, still writer yeah he's yeah. been a writer since the 80s late 80s um but <sighs> to be honest i think you know he had a hectic life so he didn't probably didn't get a chance to do as much as he possibly wanted but yeah. i've i've seen photos and i've got photos from maybe like 91 92 dubs like pieces yeah. maybe and um i know i've seen like 88 i'm sure i have like a chrome with serif letters, you know what I mean? Like old school. Right. He's been at it for years, man. Like, and he's a West London, like Shepherd's Bush legend. Yeah. But he obviously has had a lot of ups and downs and in yeah. and outs of prisons or places like that. So, you know, that kind of cuts down your... Exactly, you, yeah. know, you can get up, I suppose. <laughs> but he's, you know, I've known him ever since the beginning. Um, as with you as well, man. Like, your name. <laughs> Seriously, bro. Like... 
it's one of those names that you you get into it, you get into the culture, and then, and especially I'm lucky because of the decade I've got into it. I got into it in the nineties, so mid nineties, I'll get into the culture, and I'm like straight away. I need to find out more, need to know more because there isn't anything. We have a couple of magazines out there. Yeah, there's no internet. You know what I mean? Right, the graph benches right. are gone. The writers benches are gone from the city. Like there's nothing left around, but you just talk to other writers and you take what you can take and listen to what you can listen to. And then when your name came up and then like hearing like who you were with back then and the, the beginning of the scene is like to meet yeah. you now, 20 something years later, is just what a <laughs> fucking privilege, man. Cause it's well, it a foundation so names for London, man. Your name is a real foundation. And, and also I suppose the photos that are out there with your pieces, there's a couple of out there that are really famous london underground tubes from the 80s early and it they're just it's like it's like our subway art but it's just not in a book format when you see those photos from your generation yeah that's uk subway art right there that's the beginning of our culture in this in this city and so that's how important you are to someone like me i've been in the culture 27 years but at 16 17 hearing about you and then maybe 18 19 you might have seen a photo in a mag or something it's just like fuck amazing to have you sitting in here man so yeah Thanks. sorry sorry to rent yeah, we, uh, it was, to yeah, we, 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 we were the part of the first generation i guess Mate. of of uk train writers but didn't think that it would still be going this culture no. in in the uk and how and how it's gone <clears throat> yeah, yeah 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 exactly you're sitting in a fucking writer's studio who you know, sells art to brands and businesses and you're like off the back of graffiti. Like <laughs> that's where it started <laughs> for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird world we've gone, man. Well look, let's um let's start at the beginning, man, if you don't mind. Can we where where are you from? Okay. So I grew up in well I was born in Lambert Grove. Okay. So the Grove, yeah. Nice. Um grew up in Wembley. Yeah. Um I think we moved to Wembley when I was two or something. Yeah. Like went to school there, grew up there. Went to a normal comprehensive school, yeah, like Grange Hill type thing. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Man. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. I was quite clever at school, but just didn't apply myself. Okay. So didn't like come out with what one art one O level art. Oh right, okay, yeah, <laughs> the usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then retook some, and I think I got maths and English and physics or something. Yeah. Um, oh nice. Um, but, but school in general was just. I mean, I was quite shy. Okay. At school. Yeah. I was quite shy. Um, didn't really fit in with all the cool kids, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Well, um, I mean, like, what what was it like coming from where, where your family's from? What was that like? like um, well, my my background, my dad's Anglo Indian, uh-huh. so he, so a lot of his side of the family are kind of English and Indian, but everyone they were not like they're Catholics and yeah. they speaking. No one spoke anything but English and and my mum's Guyanese so from Guyana which is the Caribbean yeah but of Indian origin yeah um so they met here my mum and dad met here and what was that like being in school like with that type of heritage or was it it was fine because our school was so mixed wicked even then so in the early 80s I guess yeah yeah um it was that's the good thing about London I guess yeah it's you have that mix I mean, it seems like it's becoming more segregated now, but... That's due to politics, though, isn't it? I I think it's more due to politics than people's actual feelings, man. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who won't send their kids to certain schools and this and that and that. But our school was like... It was a Jewish area, 
Mm. So there was a quite a lot of Jewish, uh, Indians, uh, Afro-Caribbeans. Yeah, real mix. It's a mix in Wembley. So, it always has been, I suppose, hasn't it? Yeah, the school was in Kenton, so near Harrow. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and because it was one of it was a, what the best school in Brent. My mum sent me and my brother there. Wicked. Because um, all the other schools weren't that good, apparently. Yeah, but you didn't <laughs> apply yourself too much, and you you just got through. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I just got into I got into well the first kind of youth culture or music movement, I guess. I got into was like the two-tone stuff okay, yeah, when wicked. I was about 13. Nice. Like specials, madness. This was like music, really. Yeah. And some of the kind of clothes. Yeah. Um, and did, did that distract you, you think, from school by jumping into <sighs> getting into that? I mean, I was always in the top classes. Yeah. But it was just G uh, O-levels, I guess. Right, yeah. It was just when it comes down to studying, sitting yeah. down and studying, I couldn't do it. You weren't getting it. I mean... Yeah at home was a bit shit and i just couldn't do it i just didn't yeah. have the discipline to yeah. do that and all the motivation i didn't give a shit really about yeah at that age so I it wasn't really because you got into something and got distracted no. it just was it was like oh, you're doing fairly well you're doing all right yeah fine, top classes and all that <laughs> yeah so at, at 13 finding that music like how did that come about was just through just friends it, i guess yeah, so it's, just you know when school, you're basically. at that age you're a teenager and it's like the music trends that yeah. come along um, and that was probably the first, one of the first albums I bought was Dance Craze, which is a soundtrack to a film about the two-tone and Wicked. had all those specials, Madness, all those yeah. kind of bands on Amazing. it. Amazing, like a proper mix LP, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was probably early 80s. And then I think hip-hop came along yeah. or, or electro, I electro. guess. Electro in like 84, maybe okay. 83, 84 yeah. came along. And that, I don't know, it, it kind of, alongside breaking, yeah. it was a big, big craze everywhere. Within like, within like a week, all of a sudden, it was a way, <laughs> it literally took over. With, yeah, over, yeah, something like that, over a few months or wow. something like that. Yeah. This, this craze comes in, breaking and electro. So we'd go out and try and break in the park or whatever. Uh, but I remember buying those electro albums, Street Sounds electro yeah. albums. So they all started coming out. Do you remember seeing anything on TV or like? I mean, the really Malcolm McLaren Buffalo Girls yeah, that video, video. That's dropping. like, yeah, and that's with Dondi doing the graph as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the introduction to hip hop culture, and that was eighty three or eighty four. Yeah. So that like electro that. movement had hit, and then seeing the McLaren video and yeah, it all kind of started working together. Yeah, and I think because people were just being at school and everyone breaking at school and stuff like that mm. um that whole hip-hop culture took over and i kind of got immersed in it um i could break i'm pretty i was all right nothing special yeah. you got into it then yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah amazing i got into it and into the music yeah buying the records um i don't know because it was just so different and it was kind of it, it appealed to people from ethnic backgrounds, I guess. Was it, unlike two-tone, was it even more of a youth culture as well? I think it was a bigger... Well, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like, was was I know you caught two-tone at 13 mm. or so, but do you think that hip-hop sounded like a 13... No, I'm not trying to make this, make this music sound like it was made by or sounded like kids' music. Yeah. But did it 
infiltrate a bit more did kid did younger kids understand it more and that's why the wave was bigger do you think like how quick i'm wondering like because obviously two-tone was massive but did it get wiped out well it got wiped out in those few years as hip-hop came in because it was the younger teenagers could really get into it and get really behind it because it was fresh and new and yeah i think it was more of an expression thing people could express themselves in dancing um whatever rapping djing that kind of thing with hip-hop yeah and and to people from like minority backgrounds and stuff like that they thought oh look there's some black kids in america like oh i'm black yeah i can identify with this kind of thing um well that's with me anyway it was i don't know it was it was was an open bag for everyone basically yeah yeah literally an open book sorry not an open book yeah yeah um but i think that a lot the what the buffalo girls video and wild style i think was shown on tv around it was on channel four or something like that yeah would have been and that just everything about that solidified it yeah yeah (laughs) it kind of baptized me i guess yeah i was just uh, hooked this is it yeah and then i went to new york in 85 because i had links to new york my my aunt lives there my cousin so me and my brother my gran went to stay with my aunt wicked (laughs) yeah and then going there in 85 seeing so i think i was still at school 85. yeah so seeing the graph on the trains as well oh my god that's prime new york yeah that was the kind of tail end of the golden era of yeah. graph on the trains and it was still quite solid still in 85 yeah it? yeah i'd say half the trains or Fuck three quarters man. of the trains were, were still where were you up. staying in new york we were staying in queens nice yeah so i mean i did i think i wrote rich or something like that and did a few tags when here you got and back there. Well, over there. Over like, there as well. Like, like, in the stations. Yeah, like. banging. Amazing. <laughs> um, you were in. But just to be there, it was, it was like another planet. I mean, uh, just that excitement, that kind of mad energy that you probably don't get that anymore. Just the difference in yeah. the urban kind of environment and yeah. the, the different types of people, the crazy characters everywhere. I mean, New York is was absolutely mayhem and nuts. London, the same, but not to the same level, maybe. But um, you don't get that anymore. Anyway. And just seeing, obviously, I think, well, Subway Art as well was a, was yeah. the Bible as so ever. Did, did you see that before you went? or I, f- I guess I must have seen it before because it was about 84 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, might well have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 83, 84. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I did because yeah. I remember seeing quick throw-ups in New York and uh, I would I would have only known knowing, about that. Yeah, through, exactly, through, through Subway, Subway Art. Art. There's no yeah. other way, is there? No? And there were quick throw-ups, scene tags, duster tags, oh, that kind of stuff in the street. God. <laughs> <laughs> Doe's piece, I think I saw. Fuck. On a train. Um, yeah, man, that like I'm trying to compare it to something. I mean, it, it's like maybe like seeing your favorite band on TV and then bumping into them in the street and like getting yeah, an autograph, but, like, but bigger, yeah, but bigger <laughs> yeah. and better. And just this is the shit, like, oh my god, to see those tags live, yeah. When I've been to New York, like. And I've been to places I know where they've been. I've only just stood and imagined, basically. Because <laughs> there's nothing left. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, no ghost tags. There's no, like, fresh tags. There's no, it's, 
Yeah, I know them boys would have stood here 20 years ago, but there's nothing here to, to see. I think last time I went, we went to some cafe or somewhere to eat. Yeah. And on the wall, was there was a Zephyr tag that had been cleaned, but you could still see the ghost. Sick. So they'd left it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the store? Yeah, in the cafe, in kind the of. Wicked. Preserved. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Amazing, <laughs> as they should, man. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Um, don't yeah. So hitting New York at that age was definitely like, I'm in. Yeah. I mean, we went to the Fresh Festival as well, so it was this hip-hop jam. Yeah, so I've um, heard loads about that, man. The, that was important, that jam, wasn't it? That, well, there was one here called UK Fresh, yeah. but this was the American one. Oh, you went to the American yeah. one? Um, Fuck. Fresh Festival with... The first guy on was LL Cool J. No one oh even knew who he God. was. <laughs> like, he warmed up. He started. And then it was Fat Boys, Houdini, and Run DMC headlined. Jesus, man. <clears throat> Where was this? In Brooklyn? It, uh, uh, Shea Stadium, I think. Shea or, Stadium. I think so. Yeah. It was a big place. Yeah. And my aunt took us. Wicked. And she's white Jewish. And so she was just sitting there, the only white person there, He's I like, think. What the and fuck? I'm, me and my brother were kind of walking around and you could smell all this weed smoke. And I think we even saw someone who'd been stabbed. Wow, like shit. It was, it was edgy. Yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. edgy. <laughs> dangerous. Real, yeah. But that kind of, I don't know. It Blimey, man. What a, <laughs> that is like a super like massive injection of culture. Like, exactly. like a one trip. Just when like, you're 17. Take all of this. Like, <laughs> That you'd kind of read about or seen in over Jesus. here. Jesus. So yeah. So then, when you experience something like that, yeah, you just have to recreate it when you come back. Oh my god, you had to. So before you <clears throat> went, it it was about it was known the culture had hit the shores. Yeah, slightly. It was more breaking and yeah. electro because of that. Yeah, the sound. I was about to say yeah, the electro and all that type of stuff. And then by the time you get back, when you get back from New York, you brought it with you, but then. It kind of graph start was starting to happen here, like Chrome Angels, and yeah. I think they were doing pieces in Covent Garden Wicked. around that time. Yeah, um, and then Covent Garden was like the meeting place for b boys and writers yeah. and hip hop kind of UK hip hop culture on a Saturday. Yeah, I mean we'd go there on Saturdays and there'd be writers, and I'm not sure how I first started meeting writers because I'd go out on my own. I d- so, yeah. so I came here at uh, 85. I, You're I, 17, yeah? Yeah. And you, you just start writing because of everything you've seen. There's no other mates into it. Uh, no, nah, no one, no one wow. I knew was into it. I'd seen it in, um, in New York yeah. and Subway Art uh, and Wild Style. And because I was probably, I think I was into art anyway. Yeah. I was kind of art into art and painting and stuff like that. It was, I was all right at breaking, but I thought, no, graffiti is more exciting. Mm. Graffiti definitely attracted me to it somehow more than anything else. I wasn't a rapper. I wasn't a DJ then. Yeah. Um, But graffiti, I don't know, it was something about being able to go out on your own and do it. Yeah. Um, So I started this course in Watford College in 85 uh, and used to get the met line yeah. to to Watford every morning so I'd tag I'd start tagging the Would outsides it, fucking I'd hell. tag the outsides because it, it'd park up at Watford yeah um, before and then so I'd just tag the outsides in pen <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> <Weird. hell. What? clears throat> and insides but 
Was there any other, were you seeing any other tags? Like, yeah. So other tags were turning up. You didn't know anyone, but other tags were turning up on the line. Well, they, it was more on the tracks. Oh, sick. I'd see Hayes, who's cast. Okay. And Sane. So Hayes and Sane were probably the first on the Met line going from Wembley up to Watford, Rickmansworth, that end. Yeah. I'd see their tags and, and early throw-ups. Wow. Um, yeah. Fuck. And there was another guy called Yesai yeah. from Wembley. Yeah. And he would just he would just write it in kind of plain writing, uh-huh. not tag style or anything like that. But he was one of the early But uh, But bombers. Hayes and... Um Sorry, Hayes and Sane. Hayes and Sane. Did you you notice they had a hand style? Of sorts? Yeah, yeah, really good style, yeah. really good tagging style. It was Wicked. like, wow, these like are just like Americans. Yeah, <laughs> some other. So then you you kind of see it all kind of sprouting up everywhere. Yeah. What were you writing? I was writing rich. Rich. Did yeah. you were you practicing style and all that type of stuff because you were that deep in it? You were trying. Yeah. To, yeah. I mean, I think I did a stupid little piece in the park near me or something mm. like that. But wasn't properly going out piecing or anything like that. Um, and you just you were bumming that train just because of what you'd seen in New York, because of the subway art book. You were like, "This is me getting up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just clean, basically, predominantly the trains. Yeah, amazing, amazing man. <laughs> And it was almost like, oh, it's something oh, to do on the way to well. college. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, I wasn't really into this course. Mm. I just wasn't, I was more into graph, more mm. into tagging, so I'd probably spend the day tagging or something like that. Chapter two, culture. Well, we can honestly say that Coma's introduction to the culture must be one of the best we've heard. Imagine seeing the scene start in the UK in the early 80s, seeing Subway Art and starting to get a picture of the culture, and then going out to New York and seeing quick throw up, Zephyr tags, those pieces running, LL Cool J hitting a stage, putting tags up in a station, that's a proper introduction. In this chapter, we get to hear about some of his experiences in the London scene, and also what happened when he gets arrested for the second time, with the first for the UK court system. We also hear about the different writers he hung out with, and the differences between West and North London writers, and we hear about everyday life in London in the 80s. Richard had an exciting and history-making experience with graffiti, but the police come knocking again, and it's about the same time music comes calling, which is what he wants to jump headfirst into, but after his third run-in with the law. So how long before you met anyone? Probably within a few months or a couple of months, yeah. I must have met writers either on the train or Covent Garden or Harrow start bumping into writers. Yeah. How would you would you have heard of Covent Garden? Do you think? Well, I think no. What it was is my friend Michael, who who wrote Ream. Um, he was like a a friend of a load of other friends of mine. Yeah. Basically, I started going. I was hanging out with people from school. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't fit in with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were all into just talking about careers and money and all this shit. Yeah. And one incident, we all went to, there was this like wine bar culture. People used to go to wine bars in right. Harrow and stuff like that. Yeah. And it just wasn't me. Yeah. And like we all went to this bar. They all got in. I didn't get in. So they just, I just was left out there. Oh, man. And that, that was, that science, like, that was it for me. I was yeah. like, nah, I ain't hanging around with these. That ain't anymore. my people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I just, I don't nah. fit. Obviously don't fit. <laughs> I just don't, this yeah. isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> but my mate, Michael, who knew these guys, he, he was into graph as well. So he was probably the first partner that I did graph with. And it was more of just for a laugh. Yeah. Me, him and a couple of others. We went to Wembley Park Yards in about 85. Jeez. It was someone's wedding, actually. It was, 
a friend of ours wedding so we were all in suits going to this wedding Shut up. and then michael's like oh, i've got paint in my hand let's go to wembley i know how to get into wembley park i know how to get into wembley park so we went to the yards in our suits like, oh my god <laughs> me and me michael and two other guys who aren't even writers they just came for a laugh like that, and it's so easy to get in that must have been one of the first times it got painted yeah must have yeah been. i know chrome angels did rickman's worth yeah early about 85 or something like that because you'd yeah. see the stains yeah of the chrome angels oh, piece running sick. it was amazing yeah, you oh. still see it uh, um but i'm not sure about wembley park but he said he he knew the way in so Blimey. it was so easy to get in you just walk through a back door and that was it and it's then you're, you're there with your suit so what did you paint a rich piece yeah, yeah sick. but i have no photos or nothing no. and it was like purple car paint or something lovely so, <laughs> soaking into the <laughs> yeah. thing just the really you, bad yeah but the but, experience but the experience yeah, yeah exactly the rush the adrenaline the size of the trains yeah all of that so that was the first yard experience but michael probably knew he knew about Covent Garden. Okay. Um, through other friends and so on. Yeah. yeah. And so through that, I probably got to meet other writers. But on the Met line, just hanging out, riding the trains, yeah. you'd bump into writers. So I used to love that. <clears throat> I didn't ride the Big Met. I, I did I did ride the Big Met a little bit, but predominantly Jubilees and the Baker Lose. And it was dope. Like I don't know if it happens much anymore, but yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine what it must have been, been like in your day. Like, yeah, I mean, I started into people and kind of meeting cast and tilt and uh, myth. Myth wow. two was like another big name. He he wrote set free afterwards. Yeah, um, but he was a serious bomber. But he he was more of a loner. Didn't really hang out with anyone. So did he? Did he smash it with Myth Two as well. Myth. He started with Myth Two, and then, and he, then he went to Set Three, and he smashed it with Myth as well. Yeah. Oh, fuck man, because Set Three was up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a serious bomber. Amazing. Um, and then you had Tilt and Saga as well. Right. Tilt was kind of uh, the uh, another partner who I used to hang out with and write on the big Met. Yeah. Um. Uh, there was a load of us like in Harrow. There was like a writer's bench in Harrow on the Hill, Harrow mm -hmm. McDonald's. We'd all kind of meet there, tilt, Boom. cast, um, nice one, a uh, few others. Were you all around stuff. the same age? I guess, I'm, I mean, I was probably one of the older ones because I started quite late. Yeah. I think tilt maybe even was a year older than me. Okay. But everyone else was maybe a year or two younger. Cool. So within two or three years was the, was the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, minded then. yeah, a few years with a few years with within yeah. each other. Um, so, till our first kind of, I guess the first Stanmore uh, hit that we did um, was uh, we, we 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 wanted to be the first to do a whole car top to bottom. No one had done it yet, to our Wicked. knowledge. Wicked. I didn't, we didn't know anyway, yeah. and no one and no no other writers from all over London had said they'd done it. So we we were like, we've got to be the first, we've got to be the first. No matter how bad it is, just to got to cover yeah. a whole car top yeah. to bottom. So we attempted to do it uh, in Stanmore. And literally I got four lines done on the train before it got raided. So flying in. I think someone had, uh, us cleaner or workman or someone had seen us painting in or go into the yards in Stanmore. 
and call the police. Yeah, you must have been spotted quite soon. So straight away, literally yeah, yeah. within about 15 minutes or something, there were vans p- pulled up in the car park, oh. two vans, dogs, and um, and even Chard, who was probably the, I think he was the head of the graffiti squad at that time, who yeah. was really famous. He was like, is that myth two? Is that myth two? <laughs> <laughs> and then another one went, no, it's Tilt that we want now. Oh, shit. <laughs> so if I think they were after Tilt. Yeah. Um, I don't think they knew about me at that point. But um, we ran we, we ran down the lines and they, they got us. Um, and they uh, after you down the tracks. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's legal anymore. I don't think they're allowed to do it. Really? The same way they can't chase the moped guys. Yeah, that, yeah, so yeah. I think it's that type of law. Wow. Yeah. But obviously back in the 80s, different game. They're coming. They were coming. They had the dogs <laughs> down the tracks, everything. <laughs> Shitting yourself. What happened with that? We just, I mean, I don't know. We just couldn't get, we couldn't really get away. Yeah. And that was it. So, but like that night, they took us, took me back home, raided my house. I had to wake my mum and dad up in the middle of the night. Oh, like shit. being handcuffed going, and oh, look, the police are here. They were just fucking, they thought I was, they wanted to put me in a psychiatric ward or yeah. something. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck's our son doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What's this right? Like waking them up in the middle of the night oh with police. <laughs> um, so then they raided the house, found, probably found outlines, paint, that kind of stuff. Um, because I had been arrested before, I'd, I'd been arrested once before for graft and I'd got a two year conditional discharge. Mm. So when this came up, we, me and Tilt went to Harrow and Magistrates. They punished me for the conditional, di- the, the crime before. Yeah. Because I, it was within the two years. Yeah. So they took that into account. So we got two months detention centre, which we weren't expecting. We were completely shocked. That hadn't been done. <clears throat> Is that, I don't, yeah. I think, I've heard you, you were the first and you and Tilt were the first writers to go to prison in the UK. I don't think there's been... I Not think we were because I remember after that, I guess we set the precedent because yeah. after that they started sending writers to detention centres. So when you went to court that day, you thought we're going to get wrapped on the knuckles, whatever, <coughs> quite standard shit, some bail condition, some like, you know, something or whatever will happen. But instead they gave you a detention centre. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even com- I didn't even comprehend that you could be sent to prison or put in custody for no. graft. No. It just didn't even enter my my, what, yeah. my imagination. There's some real so, crime going on out there. Yeah. Why would they do this? Yeah. And like you just think, ah, oh, you watch Scum and you think, oh, that's this, that's a <laughs> world away from what I do. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then me and Tilt looked at each other in complete shock as he as he, they sentenced us and they took us down to the cells. And Tilt, the first thing he said, have you seen, he was like, have you seen scum? Oh, shit. <laughs> that was all that was running through his head, wasn't it? <laughs> shit. Like, scum, 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 shit. We thought, oh, fuck, are we going to get raped in a greenhouse yeah. or something like that? Mate, but that must have been freaky. I know. <laughs> How long is that? Two we, months you did in there? Yeah, so it was, it was, they, they took us straight away from the court in this van to the detention centre, straight there. And... I guess the worst part of it was just that, the journey. Yeah, the not knowing where yeah, you were going. Not knowing yeah. the unknown and, and it being in the in the van, going through Harrow, your familiar oh, places, see maybe seeing people you know yeah. and thinking, shit, I'm, I'm like, not coming back. I'm here for not a bit. free. Yeah. That was the worst bit. And were you sitting with him? Were you <clears> sitting with yeah, him? we were together, so right. yeah, at least that was something. Yeah, but I wonder 
in those situations, do you, you kind of hold yourself a bit different because you're with your friend? Not to say that you, if you were by yourself, you'd just collapse in the back seat, just sobbing. But yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like you, thank God your friend was there. Cause yeah. Just gave you that bit more, like, we're going to do this. Like, rather than, yeah. oh my God. And I remember on our first, when we got there, it was like, get out, get out the car, march here, do this, do that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Like the Straight full on away. army. Yeah. You just didn't even have a one second to think. It was just full on discipline straight away. And was that the daily thing though? Yeah. I mean, the day, the next morning they took, uh, they took us individually into the, uh, it was like that, whoever the top, the head screw prison officer was. Yeah. And he just tried to kind of break you down. So he'd be like, you're a fuck out, you're weak, you're this, you're that, you're a fucking nobody, you're this. like, Jesus. you're a cunt, you're based just the most abuse you could yeah. get. <laughs> really fucking knock yeah. you down. Yeah, yeah. One and they, they shave your head, so everyone, so it's basically take any kind of individuality out of you, and everyone's the same, you all get shaved heads. Jesus. It's like uh, army, I guess. It's extreme <laughs> discipline, and you had to kind of, do you know like your bed pack every morning yeah. fold your clothes a certain way fold the sheets and the blankets all together stand for inspection in front in the doorway every morning that kind of stuff polish your boots and then if, if you didn't <clears throat> you get reprimanded of some sort yeah 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 yeah, yeah. fucking hell and what was it what did the other prisoners think of you being in there for graffiti i mean we were kind of it, yeah they i mean they didn't think it was a serious crime or anything like that but we well. didn't get any maybe because we were together but there was no there were i didn't see any fights or anything in there if there weren't it it was an open uh detention center hollisley bay they called it holiday bay um and you could smoke it was the only dc you could smoke and people were in there for like car theft maybe just kind of not well less serious robberies um drug offenses stuff like that and everyone seemed actually all right um, it was kind of a camaraderie and a... Uh, a bit school-like, nearly. Like a strict school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people from all over London, that kind of thing. And what, I mean, we, we, what were your parents thinking? Like, I mean, they came to... Yeah, I don't know. I think I had a visit every couple of weeks. or mm. So that I, I had two visits from them. But, I mean, I don't know. They were all right, supportive. Must have been fucking crazy <coughs> for you, though, man. Because, you know... A kid getting sentenced to the graph now goes to the court, knows full well what's going to happen. Knows yeah. full well that it's, if they've got a previous, they're definitely going to prison. Um, and if not, there's a chance they could go to prison anyway. You know, some ridiculous charges are, are sit on them. Back then, to be in this free world of graffiti, which has just hit the UK, and there's only a handful, there literally is in terms of scale, there's only a handful of you to then be sent to prison and be like, Mate, that must have just been so confusing. Yeah. Just baff- it just sounds baffling. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine what it must have been like to go through it. I mean, the, I guess the worst, the, the worst part was the physical education, PE, the physical kind of training you had yeah. to do every day. So the first yeah. time you ever do it, it's the most punishing, terror- terrible, like, kind of pain that you Jesus. go through. It's circuit training. So yeah. it was like doing exercises then moving on to another one, then do, moving on next, to another next, one. Next. So the the easiest, you start off with the easiest, so they call it a green circuit, which is 
you just do one lap okay. of set of exercises. Yeah. You do one green. By the end of my sentence, I was doing three red. So it's much higher, <laughs> but three times. <laughs> because I don't know. The, it was, you just get, it made me think yeah, I can get through anything. Right. Just having yeah. this some kind of, it was, I, I even got a bit religious and thought, right, I need to just pray to God to get me through this. Fucking and hell. it was like, I never, I'm not religious. I've never yeah. believed in God, never been to church, anything like that. And I was, it was like, I was so in such a desperate situation Pulling from anything. for how to get through this. Yeah. It was like, right, I need to get through this somehow. And I did. And I was like, fucking hell, it must work. What was it like walking out of there? Did you walk out with tilt? Yeah, so we came out together. Amazing. We came out, so they they drop us at the station. I can't remember Woodbridge or something like that. And then we get the we got the train in, and I remember we got into Baker Street and we saw Ran throw up. So that was Cast under a different name. Yeah. And we were like, who the fuck is that? Cast is that Cast? Ran throw up. So all like in colours on the on the big Met. Oh, sick. Uh, and I think something like we wanted to get a McDonald's or something yeah, yeah, silly yeah. like, oh man, yeah. something because that you were craving. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but that was probably, you can't, I don't know, you can't imagine that that feeling of being let out. Oh, I've never been to prison. I don't want to, man. No. <laughs> I can't imagine it. And a detention centre at that in the 80s, I mean. That yeah. Like... I mean, when I look back on it, I don't, I'm glad I went through it in a way <clears throat> yeah. and think it kind of does give you another experience in life and it toughens you up a bit. Mm. And it, yeah, I mean, a bit of discipline, self-discipline is good, but not that extreme, no, not to be treated it, like exactly, shit, yeah. but it kind of puts things into perspective. Perspective. You, could you have done another month or two, do you think? Would you? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, you Probably yeah. could have, yeah. but... Wouldn't have wanted to, no. but and then and at that age, two months is quite a lot Mate, out of your life. It's a lot. Now it just flies past, but yeah, don't know when you're really young, it kind of seems ages. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fuck man. <clears throat> so back out, and then yeah. So we came back out, and it did stop me for a, maybe a month or a couple of months. Okay. I thought, oh, I'm not. I don't want to go back there. I'm not. not um, I should really um, give it up, but. I wasn't ready to give it up. It was my life. And yeah. people I was hanging out with and going to Harrow every weekend. It was a social thing. That yard, you mean? Or, no, just, ha just hanging just out, out, hanging out yeah, on yeah. it every night or the weekends, definitely. Going to Harrow, yeah. be, even if we didn't do graph. Most of the time we'd be doing graph, either um, racking in the daytime um, and then painting yeah. or either tagging or doing... Sketchbooks, um, whatever it might be. Yeah, or or um, like uh, along the track sides or, or yards or just bombing the insides. It, we'd be doing that kind of seven days a week yeah. kind of thing. So to walk away wasn't that easy. Yeah, exactly. And um, Saturday nights we'd be in Harrow outside McDonald's or something, drinking, just having a laugh, hanging out. So I'd probably, I'd, it was something, somewhere I'd go. Yeah. So it's just a matter of time before i got back into it again i couldn't stay away from it because everyone around me was graphing yeah, yeah. and i just felt that i just still had more i felt a bit probably resentful that i'd been sent down for this and yeah. bitter and angry and all that kind of shit so 
it had to come out. And, and I thought, if, yeah, it's not <coughs> as if you had a load of answers. It's not as if they give you something when you leave prison. Okay, so you can go and do this now. It's yeah. See you, mate. And yeah, there's nothing. You're just again, like yeah, you're just yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah, and of course you're going to stay with your and be with your people again. So back into the graph heavy then. Yeah, worse. Worse. <laughs> yeah, <much> worse. <laughs> on. It's that's when I started to write coma and started to really get up and get a name for myself, I guess. <clears throat> Where did the word come from? Um, I think I just chose it for the letters. Nice letters. Just yeah. like the letters. Um, yeah, I wrote Rich before that, yeah. but yeah, I guess, yeah, it was mainly the letters. Wicked. Um, so we'd, we'd be doing, I guess, a lot of, uh, a lot of yards I did. I'd probably need a load more yards after I came out than before. And was that traveling the city? Uh, mainly in my area. Yeah. Um, uh, so we did we went back to Stanmore before fuck it we went back we're, 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 they're not going to beat us yeah. we went back there <laughs> and did the top to bottom Sick. so I don't know if it was a first or not I've got a photo but you can just about make it out it was one of these things that Tilt had and then you had to it, it was like an instamatic type thing that you took the photo and then you wait you had to wait about five minutes for it to develop Actually. pull pull off the plastic oh, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was really long i remember them yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and it's really looks oh, it just looks like black blocks but you can make it out what did it say it said coma tilt oh, it said coma tilt but um but black blockbusters yeah. with silver outline Wait, is there is there a photo <coughs> of that out i've got one but it, maybe you could maybe there's a way you could photoshop it to look make the definition a bit better or something so, because i've got it mm. But it just look you you can make it out, but it's really dark and because the letters are black, it just yeah. looks black. I'm remembering <coughs> a coma tilt now. I'm picturing a coma tilt. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I, 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 yeah, but I, I'm just thinking, how, how would I have ever seen it? Like, I don't yeah. know how I would have ever seen it. I, I mean, we just, did loads of stuff together. Yeah, maybe it's just another thing, and I'm putting it together with that. Yeah. yeah. But one of the one I was one of the kind of funniest stories is is when we first did Rinkmansworth. Yeah, um well we thought the trains were laid up at Watford so we there were a load of us it was me Tilt, a guy called Mac one yeah um Jest this guy called Jest I think nice yeah nice one I think Wembley way this was 86 87 um I think 86 actually yeah <clears throat> I can't remember who else was there. There was about six or seven of us. And so we all went to Watford, uh, got the last train, thought, yeah, let's like see, wait and just see where the trains are laid up. And then we waited for ages and then there were no trains laid up there. So we were like, oh, fuck, we really <laughs> fucked up. What, what are we going to do? We thought, well, Rickmansworth is quite close, apparently. We knew there was a yard there. Yeah. So we had to, we walked down the lines and then it kind of comes to a junction and then goes back the other way. So we walked kind of to Rickmansworth. I don't know how long that took, about an hour or so. How did you figure out that that was the... <clears throat> did you just know the line well enough? Yeah, yeah. That's where it goes up to Ricky. We're yeah. take this route. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> Amazing. Because one way is to Ricky, the other way is to Watford. So yeah. you walk back from Watford and, and then go... that was it. Yeah. yeah. V, we can <laughs> yeah. take it here. Yeah. Amazing. And then on... So there's a little workman's hut before the yard. So we had to kind of wait 
it was it was almost like they're ready made for us <laughs> right as to wait before the cleaners <laughs> left here's your waiting room here's the waiting room we'll be done out here soon yeah yeah <laughs> amazing <laughs> I think Tilt had a little bit of speed or he was more into the drugs and shit, but I didn't do any of that. Yeah, and maybe I'd smoke some hash or um, someone had music and we were listening to kind of breaks, old Zulu tapes. So like those Bambata, Jazzy yeah. J, all those cutting up breaks. That's what we kind of really got into. That. I, got, I really got into it through writing list that kind of B-boy yeah, sound, yeah. Um, Zulu breaks and those like that, that eclectic mix, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Um, so we waited, I don't know, a couple of hours in there till about two in the morning and went into the train yards and did, did pieces. No, I don't think anyone got any photos though. No one got any photos. So we, we spent a few hours in the train yard and then oh must've been, I don't know, six in the morning or five in the morning or something. We it was getting light. So we walked down the tracks again to Moor Park station because there's a big waiting room indoor, so you could kind of hang out or chill out in there with a heater and stuff like that. So we kind of all got into the waiting room, we're all crashed out. Then the train guard or the station guard came, mm-hmm. I don't know, six, seven in the morning. He came in, he was like, oh, you had, how did you guys get in there? Or how are you all right? Or what are you all doing there? And we were like, oh, we just come back from a party and we just managed to get in somehow. And he went up, oh, and so he went, oh, guys, here, I'll make you a cup of tea. <laughs> so he made us all a cup of tea <laughs> after a hard night of bombing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little did he know. know. <laughs> Fuck, man. So, like, when you say hours in the yard, like, more than three? Um, I, we, I, I'm not, it would have been about th- a few hours, but Fuck. you could have, because we went back yeah. and we'd, we'd, we knew we could spend the whole Sunday there. We'd Mate, call them Sunday all dayers. So there, I've got photos of what we, oh, there were, again, there were about 10 of us and we did f- five or six cars. Fuck. Uh, maybe it was a whole train. I can't remember. There was Rio. There was nice one. There was cast. There was Tilt, me. I did a whole car window down, but I think, I think we even might have done the whole train, Shit. but it was a Sunday all dayer. So you, you could spend the whole day. And there weren't even cameras oh in Rickmansworth. Because um, I remember when Mac, who... <laughs> Mac, just just the light was flickering or something like that. Something silly. And he thought it was hot. And he was like, yo, Tilt, I've timed that light. And it goes off every, like, three <laughs> minutes or something like that. And Tilt went, you know what? You're a plonker. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Wicked, man. So there were no cameras or nothing. <laughs> Shit. So you, you're just hitting trains crazily at this time then? Trackside? So that, or? yeah, yeah, just really going mental. And then meeting more writers in town then? So is it more than the Harrow lot? Well, I through, I think because the Big Met was quite, loads of writers from all over the yeah. over London wanted, because the, the trains yeah. were the kind of closest to New York. Yeah. They were big. Big, so big. loads of other writers used yeah. to come on to the, the big net. as well were laid out gorgeously, completely different yeah. covers. Yeah. 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 So active riding the lines, other writers from other areas would come in and you'd get to meet people as well. Um, but then, because I had family uh, in Bayswater, where you'd go, I'd go every couple of weeks when I was younger. Yeah. I'd still go there, but 
just not want to be with the family. No. Just start. You're getting older. Yeah. Start walk going down to the Westway. Yeah. And because it had a kind of good scene, craft scene in Grove. Um, uh, yeah, just started hanging out in Grove. Um, well, going. I remember once going there on my own, and it just they had. I think it was Rio, who I'm friends with now, but yeah. who it, something like they they he had some they had attitude. They had, they were really full of attitude and like they didn't. It was they were really kind of possessive of their their different breed of writer. Yeah, of like outsiders. Like who yeah, the okay. fuck are you? Like yeah. what are you doing here? Kind yeah. of thing. And you had to earn your respect. You had to earn your way in. Way. <laughs> yeah, <Isn't> yeah. <laughs> and like they all thought that they were like New York writers because yeah. of the the sit the way the Grove was, yeah. the kind of infrastructure and the trains going overhead. Like there was a mix more of an ethnic mix and stuff like that. It was a bit more like similar to New York. It, you're right, West London, that Grove and Notting Hill Gate, Portobello, and all that was it was the closest we've got, I suppose, to yeah, parts of the, New York. just the atmosphere. Yeah. And it's got a, a history of music and all that stuff in yeah, um, Notting Hill. Cultures and yeah. So, I mean, I started meeting uh, Demo, who used to write Crame. He was like one of the first bombers who was up all city, Demo. Um, Hate, who's a, a good friend now still. Casby, Scam, Foam. Uh, Seas was from North London, but we used yeah. to hang out with him. Andy sees. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that was uh, the crew I used to hang out with, mainly Scam, Hate, Casby and Foam. Um, we'd, we'd hang out at Scam's place because Scam got a place in Latimer, so we'd just be hanging out there um, in the evenings and stuff like that, yeah. smoking, like just yeah, listening to music. And they were just, it was a different vibe to what you were getting up in Harrow. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the, it was the the two, the two scenes were. I mean, Harrow was suburban. It was it was still ethnically mixed, but not as diverse. So, like, say, Hate is from a kind of Greek Turkish uh, background. Casby is kind of Zimbabwe Scottish or something. Foam, I think, was from Ghana or Nigeria. Um, Scam is like. Finnish and some other Chinese or something like that. So they, all the mixes were different. Yeah. The Grove writers seemed to have a bit more worse conditions at home or single parents or fucked right. up families or that kind and of stuff. City, inner city. Yeah, inner city. Yeah, it had a bit, they were a bit more edgy and they had more attitude and their style was much better. Yeah. Yeah. They were, be they were better. Was I that, thought. Do you think, is that more, more anger mm. in the, in the letter forms? Is it, just the way I think they were just really wanted to emulate New York. So they more. were, yeah, geeking the yeah. fuck out on that. Yeah. yeah. So, but in Harrow, Cast was probably, well, for me, Cast was the greatest graffiti yeah. writer, UK writer of I all can, time. I can kind of agree with you. I kind of agree that, with you. There. For me, and because yeah. um, he, he did everything. Style, style. He had style in every little thing he did, from yeah. a tag to throw up to panel pieces, whole cars, whatever. And walls, as well but and but he was prolific as well. Yeah. And trains, more trains, prolific, and that style bombing everything. He mm. just he was, yeah. And but he was from, from Harrow, yeah. That so way. that was, yeah, that must have been a bit nuts to know that you're <laughs> down there are heavy, but cast sick, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we did, we ended up, I mean, we did all piece together, yeah. So, I went one, it we we went to the New Cross once, which is kind of well documented 
with Goldie and the, his photographer Gus, or a guy who's writing a book. Uh, but so I was with Cast, I, uh, and then it was Casby, maybe Rich and Rage from Kilburn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think Rio was there. So we did kind of paint together sometimes. Maybe Cast was more painting with other writers from all over London. Was but, it because of his fame? <clears throat> yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. He was co-signed everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the Harrow writers were a bit more suburban. Some of them were from more middle class, yeah. ha- like families and stuff like that. As I've said it before, I've said it to someone else, but about graffiti, though, it's, the, it's a great leveller. Exactly. It doesn't matter where you're from because you just, can you do it or can't you do it? It doesn't matter if your mum's bought your paint or if you get to wrap your paint. Can you do it or can't you do it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it doesn't, yeah. The, the inner city fucked up childhoods kids might go more all city or might be a bit more militant but the harrow kids or you know the middle class kids will still go just as hard yeah maybe yeah we're not carrying as much anger that was all the difference for us you know what I mean? yeah uh, yeah it's, no matter what in graffiti it doesn't and it was it with because i'm doing my dissertation <laughs> on graph and about youth culture subcultures stuff like that and there aren't many youth subcultures that transcend class, race, yeah. eth- ethnicity, all that. So it's with graft, it's from all different classes, all different races, all different backgrounds. It just mm. it, even, graft yeah, even unites it. Even if you're a DJ it. at 15, well, back then especially, you know, 15, 16, you've got to be able to, you, got, you need decks, you need to buy, be able to buy records, you know, so that's like money. Money, I yeah. can't do that. And, you know, whatever, other bits and pieces, but as graffiti was. Well, obviously the racking culture and you know, if you're up for it, you're on it. Yeah. Amazing. You just had to prove yourself yeah. with, with your style or with your graph. That was it. Yeah. That was all that could be it done. It didn't matter where you're yeah. from. Yeah. I love that about graph, man. I love it. I think when I was younger, I think it annoyed me a bit when I realised that was the case, that it was mixed. Because me coming up my estate and then only having my heroes who are on estates around me as well, like T yeah. my first rule. Right, okay. Like heroes, Steam and Zero, and then meeting the Airheads, Bunny and Kane and all that lot. But anyone young like me or my age, we were all from the estates. And it's when I started to meet writers that were, and I'm like, you can't write. I didn't say it. I'm thinking, well, how the fuck can these people write? They're not from the... the... And then you realise, oh, these lot are getting the fuck up, man. Like, it doesn't actually yeah. matter. Like, it just, they just transcended a whole line here that... I remember, is it a Sned or someone from the Giants, this little posh kind of white kid. And in, I was in like London graphic shop or something like that. And I saw him doing a tag and it was Sned. I was like, how the hell can that be Sned? Yeah, exactly. He's like, what? Exactly. <laughs> and, he, and he was just full of attitude. I was yeah. like, are you Sned? And he's like, well, what's it to you? Or something like that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and you, you know he was like a middle class kid yeah. from Clapham or yeah. something. But still out there <laughs> yeah. doing it. Doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the writers from night from, I don't know, posh. Oh no, you know, do you know the George Osborne story? No, George, no. Yeah, you know George Osborne. Tory, he used sorry. to be the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Sorry, Tory, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gideon, yeah. his name is. Yeah. His brother used to write Flow Two. Shut yeah, they had this mansion in Bayswater. Yeah, there's a mansion in Bayswater, and Flow Two. Yeah, he his brother was a writer. Used to I, write I've, Flow I've Two. Seen, I know. I, I'm picturing a Flow Two dub. This like, was in uh, late eighties, yeah, mid eighties. I've seen a photo of it. Yeah. I, I can see the style now. 
I can see it. I've, wow. Yeah, so that was George Osborne's brother. And Fuck. Yeah, I mean, I met him a few, times, a few times, but then I think Foam got to know him or, or used him or whatever, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but that, he went from people like that, fucking George Osborne, yeah. and they were, I don't know, multi-millionaires yeah, living yeah, in yeah. Bayswater. Yeah. Yeah. So it just shows that kind of... Doesn't matter, man. It really doesn't matter. The variation, matter, yeah. You're up for it. If you're up for it, go and do it. That's all it takes. Amazing. Sorry, back to the yards. <clears throat> yeah, How I mean... How was going? That was it. I, I think the other yards near me, West Rice Slip. Um, there's one in the Piccadilly, South Harrow, I think. Mm-hmm. I went there, Edgeware. Um, Stanmore was only that one other time. And then... Um, uh, the big G Gloucester, that was like uh, an experience, I guess. Yeah, I My last piece I did was there. Yeah. Yeah. In, um, I've never done that, man. I've loved that spot. I've never gone in. Really? Yeah, I've never gone in there. I've loved it forever. I've never gone in. Um, I think I went a few times, but that the last piece was with Hay in 1988. Wow. There. Yeah, in G. I've got a photo of it, actually, so I'm pr- proud of that. What paint were you using then? Do you remember? <clears throat> I guess ham definitely black hammerites to outline. They were always what we yeah. used for outlining. A buntlack, maybe yeah. buntlack, and um, the paint you'd get in the DIY shops. Uh, plastic coats. And those uh, kind of things. I can't remember what yeah. they were called. Yeah. But okay. they were pretty. Hammerites were known to stain. Yeah. Um, there was that story, <coughs> wasn't there? That uh, TFL contacted Hammerite and told them they've got to take lead out of their paint because they can't clean it off the Northern Line trains. Really? Yeah, the Northerns were so fucked with it. There was yeah, yeah. stains after stain. I mean, when I started noticing in the early 90s, just battered trains, stains. I predominantly remember the Northerns being battered for some reason. There must have been the metal they were using to make the train. And I, heard, I don't know if it's true or not. It's a story I heard. Hammerite got shit when I started to pick it. In, in really they took the letter yeah it was rubbish <clears throat> and i'm thinking why is everyone talking about this hammerite shit this shit is nothing it's rubbish it was no good by the time i got hold of it and then i heard a story whether it's true or not i'm not sure but tfl apparently approached hammerite and said you need to take the lead out of your paint this is fucking our trains up wow yeah and i suppose the health fact the health aspect of if it it's as well got lead in it yeah yeah but that's apparently what it was the killer part of hammerite paint was the amount of lead they put in it <laughs> that's what made it so good for yeah. you yeah, I mean, there were Krylons here as well, yeah. but they were just basic <clears throat> colours. Right, yeah. Um, hey, used to go to Greece and get Sparvar, wow. which is supposed to be like amazing yeah. Sparvar paint. Um, but Buntlack was kind of... Yeah, with that from London Graphics, London Graphics Store. <clears throat> but again, where I lived in North Wembley, this is just pure chance. There was like a housing, uh, not a housing, like a uh, estate, a kind of industrial estate with... Um, warehouses and stuff like that and there's there was this big graphics um warehouse there just by chance i went in there somehow and they were like they had tons and tons and tons of bunt legs there Fuck. like around the corner from my house oh my God. i mean it did get hot but yeah before that we just yeah it was good <laughs> yeah i mean i'd go in with a portfolio and just pretend to kind of look around and then Stick the bunt lacks in the portfolio, yeah. kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a um, fucking find! I know, man. Jesus. Uh, but you couldn't really rack from the 
London graphics or stuff no. like that. They were way, they way just on got it. onto yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we'd go to places out Maidenhead and places like that, that yeah. and, and go to the graphic Find shop. What you can there. Yeah. Sick, man. But the paint is, I mean, it wasn't anything like it is now. No. And especially on the trains, it, it's so yeah, the the surface, it's just completely different. You need thick, thick paint to yeah. kind of actually stay on there. Well, now we've got I mean, they're completely covered in vinyl, aren't they? They're just wrapped now. Most tubes. Ah, oh, right. And um, so I've, I've yeah, I think every tube's wrapped now. So it's just easier to clean. Yeah, much easier, and keep them yeah, keep them white basically. Yeah. Yeah, loads. I mean, you see on the Bakerloo's, which is the, the oldest ones running at the minute, the oldest carriages on the line, is on the Bakerloo's at the minute, and you can see where they've had to buff, and they've got rid of the vinyl, and it's just gone back to the metal, and they've had to buff the metal. There's a carriage running on the Bakerloo now, and there's a window down. It's just like one massive rust block. It's a, it's a beautiful oh, really? shot. Yeah, and it's been running for like three years. I don't know what was done on it, but obviously they're going to take out this stock. So they're not going to chuck in a new carriage. Or pay spend money on recoating it, and whenever I love seeing that carriage, I, people listening will probably seen it. So it's a on the Bakerloo, yeah, it just runs on the Bakerloo, and there's just one side, it's just window down, just fucked. It looks amazing. Oh right, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is, but yeah. I've, so the paint we use now is perfect for it. Ah, uh-huh. goes on lovely because we're <laughs> working on basically plastic, or they're working on plastic, so I think. Yeah. Yeah, because it used to just it was just soak in so yeah, easily exactly. on the on the Met. Yeah, oh, weathered steel would be just yeah. yeah no good to take any nice paint, <laughs> any paint. Yeah, exactly, just sink in. Jesus. So what happened next? How did it all? Well, uh, yeah, I guess I had stopped. I don't know. I kind of grew out of it in in '88 um, because of, of like going raving and that kind of thing. And Acid House came along. You got into raving, yeah. Um, and it started getting dark. The whole scene, graffiti, hip hop. Um, I mean, it started off quite innocent. Every we were trying to be like New York. It was all about fun, meeting other writers, and I mean, we were teenagers, so there's still that kind of attitude and bullying and that kind of thing going on. But it, it started to get dark with robberies and yeah, a lot of mugging and violence and stuff like that. Is this at the clubs and the, the night? No, and just in the scene. Just in, yeah, like in, under the Westway and, yeah. State and in Grove. And, no, and not even just Grove. I mean, I'd, I'd ride the bus in Wembley and I got held up with a knife, a stun gun. Yeah. Um, so I got robbed in Wembley a few times, but then go down to Grove and then we end up getting robbed in Grove mm. by like these tape tone. They were like a gang in Grove. Mm-hmm. they'd rob writers because we were just we weren't like yeah, easy pickings oh, yeah. as far as they were concerned they just thought it? we were fools yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. fucking writing on walls dickhead yeah. give me your money man, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. so then so some of the other writers would rob other writers so yeah. it was almost like this dog eat dog thing writers were robbing writers and other writers were robbing writers and people who'd come out from outside London would come into Grove and get robbed and yeah. Uh, it just started getting really dark, and this coincided with Public Enemy, and which are wicked, which are amazing, and but just that they they were sending out a message of this kind of independence and militancy and black power and all that kind of stuff, and I think some people just went mental and used it as an excuse to just 
go mental and be violent and that kind of stuff. And I remember being with some people who robbed other people for their public enemy tickets. Then we, then we were in the public enemy gig and I got getting robbed at the public enemy gig. So it was like karma, I guess. Um, and this is the same time Acid House is popping off. This was a bit before. This was probably 87, I think. So it, it just, the whole scene started to get darker. Yeah. Um, and more about crime and violence and that kind of stuff. Um, really yeah. yeah. And so when Acid House comes along and it's all peace and love and people are hugging you mm. and it's all up and positive, I just it was just easy to f- leave that yeah. world behind. And and after taking the kind of first pill, I don't know. Yeah, mate. <laughs> That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. You, you don't really look back. Life changing. <laughs> But I'm not sure. Um, haven't we haven't actually mentioned the the um, the final court the the second time I got sent down. Yeah, so, so that 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 was like another. It was it was uh, the Harrow lot who I used to hang out out with. Um, but maybe six, seven, eight of us, dizzy tilt, right one, nice one, the haz. Um, <clears throat> the someone would uh, would say that. They were doing a book or something. The usual story, taking photos. Mm-hmm. We we allowed someone to take photos of of us doing graph. And you've let that happen before with Gus, for instance. Yeah. You? So yeah, you were used to it in Newcastle. Yeah. yeah, and we kind of trusted the guy, and I can't even remember who he was, and I don't think he had any bad intentions, but he put the film into a chemist. The chemist saw all of us doing graph, called the police. So through that, through that, somehow the police traced us and where did you take that photographer do you remember i'm not sure you know it would have it would have been in harrow somewhere it so might have been wembley park or guy, and he goes and puts his photos in yeah he gets arrested yeah he gets arrested he probably grasped on someone who grasped on someone else who grasped on someone else so again they i didn't actually get caught in the act someone kept the police came around to my house Fuck's sake. again and it was raiding the house that kind of thing um, and they knew who you were. Yeah, because they'd found my peace books and it had coma all over and it. Did, but, and did they knew that you'd already been to prison for this. And well, it would be on the record, I guess. Records, it would yeah, be. So it would like, be. Yeah. And and I'd been in and out of. Well, I'd been on bail and had commute two community service things in between in these between, prisons. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. Been. Uh, I was practically from eighty six to eighty nine. I was either on bail, in prison, or waiting trial, or something like that, constantly. I remember once I brought my bail conditions was not to enter London Underground, <laughs> and obviously I was there, so they caught me, uh, undercover police or something like that, and I ended up being in police custody for about three days because it was a bank what? holiday before the courts could come open, something like that. That I don't know if it's even legal now. No, eight, 18 hours is <laughs> yeah. tops. Yeah, because yeah. it was a bank holiday and I got arrested on a Friday or some Saturday or yeah. something like that. It was, uh, I was there. <laughs> uh, um, so the, this, the, this last case, there was, they, it was like a big, big gang, graffiti gang. They thought that they were going to make an example of. A lot of you. Yeah. <clears throat> and they did me for everything, that coma. So all the trains. All the track sides, so like the all the ta- everything, hundred, what, th- tens of thousands of pounds worth of damage. And that's another prison sentence. Yeah, so we all went to Acton Crown Court. Some, some of us got sent down. I think about four of us. 
uh, I got six months youth custody. So there were a few of us. So they, they take you in the proper, those Black Mariahs, whatever they call them, sweat boxes. Mm. <clears throat> to Lambeth, they'd call it Sweatbox City. So all the sweat boxes <laughs> would go there. Then they'd stick you in this big cell, police cell. Yeah. And before they allocated you somewhere. So we were all together, luckily. Yeah. Then we got sent to Brixton for a week. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and that. All of you, though. Four of us. So we were all on the same landing, on the same wing. Again, man, thank God, like, you're with your mates. Yeah, but I wasn't in a cell with my mate, no. so just, like, hearing the screams in the middle of the night was enough to fucking give you the shit. I mean, it's Brixton is horrible. It's a Victorian prison. Yeah. You go in there, they strip you down and hose you down like an animal. It's just degrading. Mate. It was then. I can't, oh God, uh, I can't imagine. And, and then just carrying your bed stuff up to your cell, which you, who, who knows who's going to be in that cell with you. Was your, your cellmate all right? I think, yeah, I think he was in for drugs or something. He was just a bit annoying, yeah. but he was all right. Harmless, yeah, yeah, harmless. Yeah, yeah, no mad. But I was only there for a week, but still that week, <laughs> yeah. um, going down to, to get your breakfast. And I remember one guy dishing out the breakfast, smiling at me and then just thinking what the hell does that mean does that mean what does that mean your food am i gonna get fucked out here <laughs> yeah. what is this and then Jesus at the kind of you, you'd get what an hour of association and people walking around the yard and i remember just being on my own just standing there it was so surreal it was like a film and people they were like ira terrorists and people like that and that was just what the hell is it? What it was an, again? What am I doing here? What were you thinking about <clears throat> life at the time? Do you think? Like, were you thinking, I, I just I it, it was almost like I was numb. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I just I couldn't. Another, I've just got feel it. I couldn't actually feel anything. Yeah. It was just like a dream. Um, but then from there, I got sent to Feltham for a week. Again, that while they allocated you, and I had my own cell. It was fine, mm. just for a week, and then Huntercombe, which is. Uh, young offenders institution um semi-open again had my own cell so it was all right there was a guy from my school there and i hung out with this indian guy called walia who was like part of these Sikh gangs and he was quite hard so <laughs> i was all right yeah. <laughs> there were in that place there were fights but i didn't get into any trouble or anything like that. um just keep your head down and um to come out How after three months that, that so it's six months sentence, you do three months. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, man. But I'd stopped anyway. You were, yeah, I'm done. I'd stopped. I'd been going out to the Astoria every Saturday night doing pills. Um, so, and I got a job in Lillian Skinner and Brent Cross. Wicked. Just to make it look good for the court case. So I worked there for about six months before the court case came up. No, but knowing it's it's really a weird feeling knowing that you're going to go to prison. Did you know this? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, well, it's just I don't know how long, but it's going to happen. Yeah, just and especially as you've already been. Yeah, especially as the scene now does that sends rights to prison. Yeah, it was a definite. So what what did the store say? Did you tell them you're going to prison? No, I just you left. left yeah, yeah, I just left. You didn't <laughs> put that on them. No, no. but um. So I d it, it was completely useless because I'd stopped. I'd stopped a year before getting sent down again. Oh my god! It was just completely meaningless. Um, Out of the game completely. Changed your life's direction with music. Well, yeah, or just sounds and 
Yeah. Then you have to go and fucking serve this sentence to... Exactly. Fuck's sake. <laughs> and it wasn't, I don't know. It, yeah, it was just completely pointless. It wasn't majorly bad and it didn't do me good. It was just was a waste, a of, waste time. of time. A waste of time. And just, yeah, just and causes you more resentment you, towards um, society. But you'd left Graf and you'd started raving. And then were you keeping in contact with your friends in in the rave scenes are you still keeping on top of the music like were you well i hadn't actually started djing properly until but just even listening and yeah what was going i mean on. i remember i used to listen to john peel who was on radio one yeah. in because i we were allowed little transistor radios so i remember listening to john peel in there and radio you couldn't really get anything but maybe big stations no. it was am radio or okay. something like yeah. that yeah um, but I get letters from friends who are going on, oh yeah, and we did our story, I was kicking this Saturday, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Chapter three, creativity. After a crazy few years in an amazing culture and a couple of big run-ins with the law, Richard has found his next cultural addiction in music and by doing what he did with graffiti, researching, practicing and making a name for himself, he becomes a DJ and carried on his cultural exploration into that world. We talk about DJing and the clubs he played at and then move on to his producing and remixing tracks and the career that blossomed in those years. And then we get into what he's been up to lately, studying and working and what he's about to finish off. Yeah, I mean, I came out, as soon as I came out, I kind of really wanted to get, I got a job straight away just being a messenger for a printing company. And so I had a regular wage. I started going out buying records, that kind of thing. Um, and and then be, and started DJing, yeah. So it was almost all. Uh, as soon as I came out of prison, I just complete. I'd left the graph behind. Did well, I'd know, left it behind yeah, before. Did but. you know you were gonna? Did Did you start thinking of DJing when you were in prison? Uh, well, I think going to the Astoria for the first time in '88, in like the late '88, September or something like that, doing appeal just it, it just enhances the experiences so much mm. and i was into music anyway so i just got hooked on the what the djs were playing what what the tracks were that kind of thing mm. so just obsessed about the music i didn't know i was going to be a dj i was just really into the music even in the graph days we'd go to rickmansworth and there'd be a record shop there and they'd have the records in the sleeves and stuff like that and we'd rack them mm. um yeah the whole graffiti thing i don't know i should have said this earlier it was more about an alternative i finding an identity yeah yeah and a belonging and an alternative family type thing an alternative society that i didn't have i was quite shy i couldn't express myself yeah so it was a way of getting that kind of validation and respect from people it's an amazing tool man graffiti hip-hop is an amazing tool what it can do like yeah for us as people it's not i mean just psychologically yeah, yeah it's all of that yeah. just literally psychologically <laughs> like you don't take note at the time we're not standing there like learning you know what i mean on the lines learning for the future exactly you know what i mean you, you're not in the yard by yourself painting the train thinking oh this means i can do no you're in no. the yard painting the train but it's later on in life isn't it you're like oh hang on this has brought this out of me this has made me think this has made me look at other things and you went and found acid house and like, yeah, or just the, the and the the dedication to something. Yeah, and it's uh, f- almost like a full time job. 
yeah. that you're risking your life and yeah. freedom for with though there's no yeah. financial reward no i mean that gain. is and that, pure art yeah you and can't get more purer than that no and that's what makes it so amazing um i, I think the culture's different now but I, then and i you know to be honest as i said i i saw I, I saw a monetary gain. I saw a, a route, whether I took it on cognitively or not is another thing, but I saw a route at a young age after meeting State of Art. But it, doing graffiti with your friends and out there and bombing and learning and just bettering yourself with no monetary gain, it's yeah. just for you, pure soul-feeding work. Yeah. It's amazing. Just what, what a trip. And then it gave you that opportunity to then move into another culture and knew you could take it on and handle it really yeah i mean it was the acid house culture and rave culture was just a hundred times bigger than the graffiti massive because it was everyone you knew was going raving yeah taking ease everyone of our generation then yeah um so it was a big big movement um but for me it was it it I got into music seriously from then okay. i got heavily into the music and started djing quite quick I mean, I had my first gig in 89. Oh, fucking hell. So you were like, yeah, I love this shit. I'm, I want to know more. It's like, again, that dedication, right? That mm. obsessiveness that you with Graf. Right, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure I'm the best. I'm going to fucking, like, really, like, study this shit. And Isn't get it into weird, this. though? Like, how come you were in school and doing well, but that just that final little bit of energy... That you obviously yeah. found in graffiti, you could find and put to graffiti, and you found with music as well. You just couldn't do it. Exactly. It. So weird, isn't it? it? Again, shows you what you're capable of after the fact of graffiti. Like, yeah. Because we leave school and we feel like failures, half of us. Yeah. But thank God for the culture we chose, because I know I'm not a failure. Yeah. It, well, this is it, because yeah. the, the people I used to hang around with, and they all got their O levels and stuff like that, and I get my. My, oh, what did you get? Uh, uh, art. Mm. And it just feeling more of a failure again. It's yeah, like exactly. the graffiti thing. Yeah. Hey, that's coma. You're, yeah. you're like a legend. Yeah. Like you've come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 but just the fact, the amount of work you put in as coma, and then you put within a year of being into that music, year and a half, say 18 months, whatever, of being into Acid House, you're like, I'm getting it, I'm doing this, I'm going to get a gig. It's just yeah. pure determination and like understanding a culture and geeking the fuck out really is what you've got to do to be good at it. Just being obsessed. Obsessed. Being obsessed. Amazing. Obsessed. Man. Amazing. Um, and it, and again, another creative expression. Yeah. Way of expressing yourself creatively. You were, f whatever it was graffiti was giving you, not all of it obviously because there's loads of elements in graffiti, but the point is there was something really filling you up as well with the acid house and the dj and being part of that culture you were getting the same well, what it is it's like just being an outsider from the conventional society as well mm. it's like i couldn't fit in to to get in a normal job got a job as a messenger a foot messenger just delivering shit for this printing company yeah but that was cool because i could just walk around all day listening to music wicked so i do mixtapes or whatever like that and listen to them all day and I I was DJing and collect. I'd go every Friday. We'd get paid, so I'd go buy records. What shops were you going to? There's Red Records was on Beak Street, I think, uh -huh. in Soho. Okay. So I'd go there. Yeah. Shop called Tracks on Greek Street mm -hmm. Groove. Um, but I was into house stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think I'd go. I took trip. I went. I went back to New York in eighty. 
nine or ninety for more of a more of a kind of record buying Wicked. thing. Yeah. So to go there to get tunes and to buy and a house in particularly, yeah, particular, and yeah. old old house stuff. And yeah. he, and then, then I got introduced to disco because the people at the counter were like, "Do you know what? Do you know the loft? Do you know the Paradise Garage and all this kind of stuff?" And I was like, "No." So they'd have all these loft classics, garage classics. So I'd end up buying all this disco stuff. Some of it was quite spaced out. Um, just le- again, just learning more about the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but living it, experiencing it, not by reading about no, it, going no, there. Yeah. Um, Doing the same. Going thing. to the record shops, f- discovering all this music. Yeah. I remember we were hung out with this guy who worked in a record shop. Went back to his house. He'd play us more music. Um, going to the clubs. Went to some of the clubs. Limelight. Mars, you basically did what like you that. did with graffiti and hip hop. Yeah. You went and redid it, but with your new chosen sounds and yeah shit. amazing man and then as well 90 in new york 91 yeah. amazing times again house music was popping as well there yeah and i remember and then i went back again i don't know 91 or something and i remember because i was djing a bit phoning up all these legendary labels that i knew about that were from new york labels strictly river yeah. new groove these other ones going, oh, I'm a DJ from London. And they were like, yeah, come over. We'll give you loads of stuff. We'll give you stuff. So I'd go over there and get all these free records. Amazing. Go visit the offices. Yeah. yeah, Because they'd sell more of their music in in the UK because of the scene. It was such a big thing. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So most of their sales would be over here. Amazing. So they'd go, oh, English DJ. Yeah, yeah, cool. Give him some hot So I think I met DJ Pierre in Strictly Rhythm offices. Went to New Groove. This other label called Power Tracks uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. So it was almost, it was just living it. But the thing about with Graph is that traveling as well, traveling all over the city and finding out new experiences all over the city. It got kind of made, took that. And uh, you were doing it within. And so where were you playing in London? Well, the first gigs. I got was at this place called the Crazy Club in it was in Busby's on a Sunday. Yeah. It was like an after party where people would carry on in Sunday afternoon. Yeah, wicked. And then they started doing the Astoria. So I'd play in the back room, not in the main room, because I'd play more alternative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um because it was a bit rave and a yeah. bit in the main room. Yeah. So I'd play more kind of American house or Europe Italian house. Nice. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um in the Astoria, yeah, Amazing. that was the kind of probably the first residencies that I that I got eighty nine ninety. And then, while well, this whole time you're DJing, when when did you start? What what did you think was going to happen next? Did you think of? Well, it was music? it wasn't enough to make a living or anything like that. No. I was so even then it was still hard to yeah. get gigs, um, unless you had your own club or mm-hmm. or put music out. Mm. So it wasn't till about ninety seven. Mm-hmm that I started putting music out. And what made you put music out? Did you kind of figure, you got your head I around the music and you knew the next step was to make it? No, well, what it is, I got a job in the record and tape exchange oh, yeah. in the early 90s, yeah. 92, it's 93. I was in there today, actually. Yeah. In Nottingham Gate. I mean, I still work there now and again. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in the Nottingham Gate one on my way back this afternoon. I bought a few bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I've been, so being there, again, it was almost like a school for music. Yeah. Being around other people, getting learning so much. A guy called Hector, who used to be a big DJ in the 70s and 80s at the WAG, mm-hmm. and just taught me so much about music, disco, uh, 
funk, reggae. And he worked there all just the front. Yeah. He worked there yeah, amazing. He worked there. So just learning, yeah. soaking Everyone up all that. there has always got knowledge. Yeah, soaking up. Well, you had to do a test. Oh, did you? You have to do a test to get the job. And I knew a lot about house because it was only about four or five years old then. Uh-huh. So I kind of knew a lot and got the job as a techno buyer or something. (laughs) Amazing. Techno expert. (laughs) And so you're Mm. to to fund your DJing and to, you know, to continue living, you work. And so you got a job in there. And so I was there, I was working there um, and just being there came into contact with other people who were making music. So my mate, Paul, DJ Regal, he, he'd been making music he worked there. Mm-hmm. He did stuff on Wall of Sound under the name Wise Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took, just because we had similar interests in breaks as well, in like B-Boy breaks and right. stuff like that, we both collected that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, so we were we kind of made, the first track we did was uh, under the name Bronx Dogs. And it was, we would got inspired by those um, Bambata tapes, the oh, block yeah. party tapes. Yeah. Um, with Jazzy J. Yeah. Uh, there's one when he's going, it's Jazzy, 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 J, J, J. So we sampled that. It's Jazzy, Jazzy. And then used the Edwin Starr break that he was cutting up uh-huh. as a basis for a track. Oh, and then nice. just put other samples and breaks over the top. And it, and it don't know, it just happened. Yeah. Just for the love of it, being into something yeah. and something just happening. And it did really well. The opportunity well. arose and it just yeah. worked, yeah. We didn't think, oh, right, I want to make a tune and I want to get this and I want to do that. I don't know. We, it just, it was organic. It just kind of happened naturally. And Amazing. that was, that tune did really well. Um, and then because that did really well, I started getting a lot more gigs. Parker. Yeah. We so both did gigs as Bronx Dogs and I started doing stuff. Wicked. Myself, yeah. Wicked. So Bronx, I was about to say, was Bronx Dogs getting picked up as well then, yeah? Yeah. And we were managed Parker. by Heavenly who were they were quite a good machine they could get press and got us good big remixes for like jungle brothers and saint etienne primal scream sizzler people like that yeah so it kind of after djing just for about seven or eight years uh just on and off just learning the trade kind of thing doing bits and bobs i finally started to make money i make a career out of it in the 97 98 that's amazing man and it it was just after that ded- again that dedication just sticking at it yeah do, doing the knowledge yeah and like i mean uh, you know graffiti t- definitely teaches you one thing as well as consistency and how how that can pay off you know what i mean by by being consistent by being a consistent bomber you get the fame you deserve do you know what i mean yeah by, by painting trains consistently you become that train bomber that train king and then you learn how important consistency is and you know the talk that how good it is and then you just stay consistent with that DJing and you know, yeah. show because because you showed your true love and true passion. You meet your mate, he he vibes off that, and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity for yeah, dope. And it was kind of what I'd been waiting for. I'm like, oh wow, this is really starting to happen now, and being able to DJ all over the world, doing remixes for big names, doing it full time. It's like, wow, this is it. I've arrived. Fucking <laughs> hell, man. And so that's been your life now. Well, now I don't do it full time. Um, again, with music, it's it it's so fickle in a way that there's always new things coming up. And like we were flavor of the month then, but then <coughs> someone else will come along yep. and people forget about you. 
um, unless you build up a solid fan base, I guess, and carry on. Yeah. But we kind of stopped in the early 2000s. We'd stopped Bronx Dogs. Uh, we did a couple of albums. Um, and what's on the albums? Are they a, a remix? Are the remixes on the albums as well? Or no, all, just all an artist album. Wicked, so man. Yeah. The, the last album we did, it was kind of influenced by electro and post-punk kind of breaks and stuff like that and disco. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bronx Dog stuff. But then uh, a couple of years after we finished doing that, I started doing another project with neil who used to work in the record and tape as well brilliant so it's through him yeah he because he'd been making music for ages so i he he we were just like oh yeah let's just see if we can do come up with something and again um his studio was called the padded cell so we just called ourselves padded cell um so it was kind of influences from the bronx dog stuff like disco but making it a bit darker so disco post-punk and kind of sound dark soundtracky since wow. it was that kind of vibe yeah and we did i think we did one single for dc recordings which were a label based in west london uh-huh. um it was called signal failure and and that, again that took off just after that one single for them uh a dj called harvey was playing it uh and it took off sick just after that so we did a few more singles and an album for dc amazing and it was like back to how i yeah. was before another round again yeah, another round of going all over the place remixes that kind of stuff and you but i think the music was better yeah <laughs> yeah de- definitely getting better yeah the music amazing man yeah so that was probably uh 2000s to about 2009 2010 fucking hell yeah, a good run. Yeah, I'm, literally, I'm thinking. I knew, obviously, I knew about, I knew about the music you'd done and Padded Cell. I'm, the more you talk about it, the more I think I've I've seen it more. It's not my music. Yeah, but I think the name is really ringing bells with me, man. Like I'm picturing things for some reason. Like okay, you're talking about remixes as well, especially. Yeah, I mean, we did big names, Brian Ferry, people like that. Yeah, getting to work with someone like Brian Ferry. Fucking hell, man. From yeah, you couldn't imagine. The like Jesus. trip, <laughs> yeah. The fuck is that about? from from prison to Brian Ferry? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember his because his I know his son and he his son texted me going yeah dad's listening to your your so he really likes it he really we're listening to it now and he really likes it amazing fuck it out <laughs> like yes. these experiences you have like um, fucking hell man and another thing I don't know it it's just being with put just living it living and experiencing things and being being there is just what i've been about not yeah i, I don't well, know if the graph if i guess the graph ingrained that in yeah. me i'll tell you what you haven't once said anything and obviously you have you've had life struggles do you know what i mean i can imagine there's been red letter days on the bills or whatever or like a stress to pay the rent or whatever but your passion overrode it didn't it like yeah you were like i mean i've there's been times where i had bugger all money or, yeah exactly like, exactly but it, i don't know i've just managed to survive yeah, somehow yeah. have that attitude yeah of, it'll work out of course and uh, it, again it's carrying that culture with you isn't it, it we can yeah. go super broke it doesn't matter because i've still got my my music i've still got my graffiti i've still got whatever you yeah yeah it's carrying that is such an amazing thing man 
Yeah. Because that, that is a fucking long journey. And that's only up to the 2000s. Like, you know what I mean? And you're still like, yeah, this thing's sick. Like, culture's amazing. Like, <laughs> you know? Brilliant. Well, I don't know. I was so dedicated in, yeah. into the music as I was into the graph. Yeah, yeah. So that dedication and the obsession again. Yeah. And and just living it. And this is it. This is my life. I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. I didn't, didn't want to do anything else. I can't do anything else. Yeah. Kind of thing. I make music. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll DJ. And but I prefer DJing than making music. Um, because you vibe off the crowd. You get this, that interaction between the crowd yeah. and you and just the buzz you get from it i don't know For this it's the full package i suppose isn't it getting to play yeah you're being creative like by knowing how to program sets and stuff yeah. like that yeah but it's the interaction as well seeing those reactions as well yeah. yeah exactly yeah Seeing that creative thing you've just done yeah, yeah. and again very similar man watching a fucking coma train roll past your fucking platform exactly the reaction seeing the reaction you know what i mean yeah there's nothing better than getting on the no. train with your piece and oh, riding it like it man and like seeing people's reactions yeah. to it yeah i mean with graph as well i mean with music as well the similarities are i think with and uh with writing i mean it's like you're you with making tunes with the way i make the tunes it's like it's a lot of sample stuff so taking inspiration from loads of other yeah use bits of music sound bites or drums or this and that and then creating something new yeah. with it and i guess with the graph it was more just using different paints using different colors to create something yeah so you're always and i suppose part of the essence of hip-hop was that as well wasn't it yeah was grabbing bits and making this this sound yeah and, you know and, and in all formats first of all samples but then nicking electric in the parks and you know what i mean stealing paint appropriating That's appropriating it. it's the same and you do that with music now with the music you make now yeah yeah you i mean and with me a lot of my music is i'm getting inspiration from the past yeah. so i look at tunes from i don't know 80s or 70s or whatever and and oh, that bass line sounds good. These drums, or get inspiration from that vibe, or that kind of thing. Always looking to the past for me how to often, get inspiration. How often are you looking for music? I mean, I've got so many records at home. Yeah, so many. So it's but there's yeah. it's an endless supply. You can of inspiration. dig at home, basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and working in the record and tape as well. That's yeah. where I've built up so much stuff. Yeah, um, uh, tools, I guess. Yeah, to use. Yeah to create something it's mad new. isn't it yeah and then <clears throat> i kind of that lead i mean I, i'm still djing now yeah uh and making music but i'm just doing everything on my own okay now um but it kind of leads on to the academia stuff yes yeah, so because how, yeah I, I i mean i got to a point after the padded cell stuff when I'm not really DJing much, not making any as much music. So, oh shit, what the hell am I going to do with my life? I need to do something else. Um, and because of my experiences of going through the system, mm -hmm. criminal justice system and graft and that kind of stuff, criminolo criminology kind of appealed to me, studying it, not knowing what the hell, where the hell is this going to end up. So when you were thinking of like what to do after Padded Cell, yeah. you didn't think of a career no you were thinking i just of, thought i need to do something I, I could probably i could probably learn more and it's always what's what am i going to enjoy it's always about oh what am i into that's fucking sick man 
uh, that, that you stayed I'm going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and not having a game plan, just not knowing where it's going to end yeah. up. So criminology, I mean, <laughs> the fuck? I think I went into Birkbeck and just saw it there and I thought, oh, this looks interesting and just started off doing a certificate mm-hmm. in it, enjoying that, then that counts as one year of a degree, then doing the degree, doing really well in the degree. And because of experiences of going to prison and stuff like that, that gives you more of an insight yeah. than most people who study that stuff. I bet. I mean, what? How, I mean, is there anyone else on the course? Did you meet anyone else who'd been to prison? No. Exactly, man. I mean... I mean, there are criminologists. Yeah, I mean, yeah there, must, there, there must be, but I mean, I can imagine it must be such a small rate. So I just thought, well, with my background, I've got something to offer kind of thing yeah. here. And I wanted to do something maybe that could help change something somehow yeah. or help someone, Yeah. not just fuel my ego <laughs> yeah. with music and painting and stuff like so that so use the same things use like understanding and like just geeking out on stuff and you know really yeah like getting as much i mean with writing i mean we i haven't written i hadn't written an essay since school and i probably didn't can't even remember if i did then yeah but having to do an essay and it just immediately thought this is exactly like making music i'm just Grabbing bits of research from loads of other authors and trying to create something new with it. Amazing. That's how I started yeah. doing essays and was quite good at it. And it was like, oh, this is what I should have been doing after school. <laughs> like, <laughs> now it's um, taken 30 years yeah, or something to get to this point. But, mate, those 30 years <laughs> are fucking well, amazing. Well, I think you need to have some yeah, life experience again, before going into yeah, that. You wouldn't have even, you wouldn't have picked criminology at 17. Yeah. You wouldn't exactly. have done that. And if you did, you would have gone at it at a completely different angle, completely different reasons. Like this was pure interest and like based on self-knowledge as well. Yeah. Knowing about what you've been through and how you could mix the two. So no, you couldn't have. You couldn't have. I know what you mean though. Like, oh fuck. Because people, all the, the people like, some of the people doing degrees and stuff, they're in their early 20s and yeah. they just come out of A-levels and stuff like yeah. that. And a lot of them don't know what the hell they want to do no, at exactly. that age. Yeah, and you've lived like some amazing, <laughs> fully cultural life and experienced <laughs> a million and one things. And that's dope, man. So what's what happens with this criminology degree? What? Well, I did the degree, and then I got <clears throat> offered this part-time job uh, in in a research institute connected to Birkbeck. Mm-hmm. So it was just being a research assistant, helping on this one of their studies on fraud. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I've just completed a master's. So I did the master's after the degree. Fucking hell. Um, but I think that's enough for me now. I've, yeah. I've had enough of it, like seven years or so. That is a fucking... Studying. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so I'm just writing up my dissertation now. I'm going to start it on graph, obviously. Amazing. But I'm man. not sure what I want to say or what I want to argue, but more just to show it as a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And it's not just mindless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But so I'm doing, I'm working two days a week doing this research at this research place. Uh, so it's weird because when I started, uh, we then we'd have to interview police. So I'd, I'd be sitting at a table in the city of London police with all detectives, chief superintendent, this, that, yeah. inspectors on <laughs> fraud, financial crime, fraud squad, yeah. all this stuff. And there's me just sitting there thinking, wow, where the hell? I used, to, I used to hate these lot yeah, and now yeah, yeah. I'm here with them. Yeah. 
Here this is, is mad. The same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another mad place where my choices are. And like, actually, to. some of them were all right. Of course, <laughs> man. Yeah, of course. They're just, just like doing everything. their job. And they, they were yeah. really passionate about what they were doing. Yeah. They were in it, in it for the right reasons. Brilliant. I guess the guys at the top are genuine. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're there for a reason. So yeah. our study, we're, in, we're going to interview offenders as well. Uh-huh. Go into prisons and interview fraudsters. Crazy. And then uh, uh, police and regulatory people as well. Before, but then that that ends in the summer so i'm not gonna i'm not sure i really want to get back into because i've had seven years of studying yeah i really want to get back into being creative more art and uh, uh music again so and another see. another little path is yeah ahead. why not <laughs> and mate picking graffiti as well like to you know to come back to that 20 years later yeah but do, i think i got because i totally stepped away from graph yeah. since 88 yeah i had no I just didn't know what was going on. Didn't know any of the writers. Didn't know if trains were still being done. See the old, the old train, yeah, uh, bombed. Um, but just be get, just through criminology, reading about cultural criminology. So culture that is considered crime. So like graph or yeah. taking drugs at raves, that kind yeah. of stuff. So cultural, amazing interaction with crime. Yeah. That is got me back into graph. Yeah. Um, just naturally kind of full circle and then writing about graph and then like meeting people like you just, it just naturally happened to get back into graph again. Man, it, what a <laughs> fucking <laughs> mad set of circumstances. Yeah. Thank you, Butch. Yeah, <laughs> respect. <laughs> Don't know what you've done here, man. Because there are, I mean, it. Yeah, it, I don't want to seem like I'm jumping on the bandwagon though. Like going into graph. At least I've got the history and the experiences. But coming back into graph, going, ah, oh, I want to get into graph again because it's. I know how precious the scene is yeah, to, to that, writers. Rich, no one's going to look at I you know, like that, man. I know how precious, precious no it is. You, you carry a crown in this culture. <laughs> you do, seriously, man. Like, you carry a it's, crown in this it culture. It was just and the time and the place, though. Yeah, it may well have the been, time man, and the place. There were, there were hundreds of others, do you know what I mean? But there were only a few names from that decade. Yeah. There were hundreds of writers in the 80s, hundreds. And there's right. only a few names that come out of it. One, yours is one of them. So no, I think if you did step back in and loads of people see you and meet you again, they're not going to think, oh, what the fuck's he doing back? That's not going to happen. Everyone's going to be happy. But the other thing is, I think it's from the angle you've come from. It's not as if you've been doing fuck all for the last 20 or 30 yeah. years. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And like, imagine, just say, I don't, I don't even know about your personal life. But imagine you were married, two kids, had a job all these 20, 30 years, just like printing leaflets for a company, right? That's your job. Yeah. And then all of a sudden your kids are grown up and you know wife's like come and get the fuck out of the house the kids are out of here you don't need to be about as much more. <laughs> oh yeah fuck it i'm gonna go and paint the wall again that's a bit different there's nothing wrong with it but that's a bit different yeah you've been cultural non-fucking yeah. stop and you went and put a name your name again out there as richard Sen, the dj and the producer and you know bronx dogs and padded cell and all that type of stuff hackney vandal patrol now that's a new thing with my mate scott we've only done one uh single dope yeah. But I tan tagged each 12, so Sick. it's a bit special. Yes, I've got to grab <laughs> one of them, man. But um, yeah, so coming back in, and especially with, from the angle you're coming from, you know, off the back of this criminology and, you know, that type of shit, people are going to yeah. be happy to hear from you, man. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, with it's not the as if you're going to ask people to go yard. Do you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not as if you're trying to get in like that. You just, yeah. Crazy. I know because in the criminology as well, people have asked me to talk about graph, mm. go 
talk go to um different like colleges or whatever yeah. unis and talk about it a bit um so that could be another option yeah man about the graph experiences and exactly. how put it in the criminological framework use yeah. some of the theory but to again try and analyze it yeah and what you were just saying though, about the cultural criminals yeah you've got so much cultural experience as well you you've witnessed and been part of a drug scene and in the rave culture do you know what i mean yeah you were a graffiti writer you you even know what it's like to go out there stealing bits and pieces of other shit because of the racking days yeah so yeah, yeah yeah that's a that's a real good that could be amazing voice for you there isn't it like to yeah to talk about that mix and that fucking needs to change though man i mean punishment for you know love of a culture is and it's i don't know if this is the case but it just seems like trains are going to People are going to get punished worse, aren't they? Yeah, trains. they are. Well, and uh, especially now as it's private companies, I feel. Oh, really? I think. I mean, TU's obviously TU or LU, sorry, still LU and partly owned. Do, but can you do that? Is Can you do the tubes? Tubes are getting hit. Tubes that just don't run. You're right, okay. Yeah, people, I know people do them. I'm always hearing the stories and mm. I don't, I'm not that much about anymore to hear many stories, but I heard a couple of good stories recently. So they're still getting done. But... The main lines, the commuter trains, are getting smashed. They're getting hit hard. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of newspaper articles. Yeah, exactly, the newspaper articles. and and They're getting hit hard, and yeah, they get caught. And people I know have been caught have had lengthy prison services, prison sentences, lengthy, two years plus in some cases. Yeah, I listened to one guy, is it? Andrew Gilman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fuck, man? He just didn't deserve that. Yes, okay, he he, he went and painted lots of trains. Yes, Okay, but I know. the fuck did he deserve two and a bit years? No, I did know. He, I've had another friend of mine who was on a bail, who's on bail for two years. Like it's just like, why are you ruining these people's lives for fucking painting? For it? And it's within a culture. You should be proud of them. Exactly. Like, and the, again, this podcast, what you've just your whole story. Look what being involved in graffiti led you to go and do. Yeah, it's so social sided. I've never heard of. I didn't know though that. Cultural criminality was studied. C- cult- cultural criminology, criminology. yeah. That it's is fucking interesting, man. Yeah. yeah. So it's where crime and culture mix. Yeah. So graffiti is the prime example. Yeah, definitely. Really. Yeah, must be a different um, one of them. Crazy. So, yeah. Um, but, the tra- yeah, the tra- uh, with the trains, though, it just seems a shame if trains don't get done because that, it, that is graph. I, I mean, it... I mean, it's, I, le- it's legitimate graph is on a train. Yeah. If it's that's not on a train. Yeah, that's it. That's legit. Street art is different. Right yeah, it's different. It's different. Whatever yeah. it is, it's yeah. different. Yeah. It's the culture is, leads to the trains. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think it'll ever <coughs> stop, man. I started painting trains in 95, 96 and um, on the underground and it was dead. Underground was dead by then. It was yeah. really, well, maybe I'm saying that too harshly. It was quite quiet because there was a, the early 90s, London was fucked, smashed. Like, mid-90s, smashed. By the time I hit Tube, 96, 97, it was a lot quieter. And then early 2000s, um, the inside started getting hit again. And the, the culture changed and it started to speed up again. And more and more trains started to get hit again. There's always waves. And we're currently going through one now. They yeah. reckon the commuter trains is because of cleaning products. and yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, I can imagine partly it's because they don't want to spend the money on the right cleaning products because exactly. they're greedy fucking bastards. Private companies, yeah. yeah. But anyway, <laughs> listen, Richard, man, I really appreciate that chat. Bro. It no, it was brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much no, for coming thanks around. thanks for having I'm me. I'm sure people are going to love hearing this, man. And yeah, thanks, Where can man. they check you? You've got an Instagram account. 
I've just started. Yeah, wicked. <laughs> More's like research to check out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Richard underscore Sen underscore Coma. Wicked. And then on SoundCloud, you got a SoundCloud page. Uh, I think it's Richard Sen. Richard Sen. And wicked. then Facebook as well. Pucker Richard man. Sen, like for the music stuff, yeah. DJing. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll find that mix you sent me. It was on that interview, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah. There's a uh, site called Ransom Note. That's the so one. I've got a mix up on there yeah. at the moment. Uh, I've just done another one for Honey Sound System, which they're going to put up. Lovely, man. So there's a, yeah. Wicked. Excellent. Go and check that out. Listen, Richard, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thank you. That was an amazing, amazing story. So much history. It was really great hearing all that, and I can't wait to see what happens next with his criminology paper and the cultural significance he finds. Rich went in hard, put his oil into it when picking his paths in life, and became a legend in two cultures. As I said to him at the start, he's like one of our subway art heroes. The city, the culture, the creativity, again, we won. Guys, I had coma around in my studio. He sat on my sofa and chatted. I've known this guy's name for 20 something years, man. That was an absolute pleasure. The graph geek in me, well, you can imagine. Well, until the next one, love your city and love your culture. This is F24.